what a place to be this morning. What a what a powerful God. Uh, if you weren't here, it started in Sunday school, at least for us up here. I'm telling you what, just anytime you uh, get into God's Word and you see God's power uh, over uh, the power of God uh, that is overtaking the power of evil, anytime you see examples of that, whether it's in the early church, whether it's in the Old Testament, anywhere, it always blesses me. Just as another reminder that uh, no matter how uh, powerful uh, it seems that the devil has a stronghold on people, on families, on different things in this world, uh, the power of God is greater. And that that blesses me whenever we think about that because he tries to get us to be afraid a lot. He tries to get us to, uh, uh, to back down. But I tell you what, if we'd let the Lord fight the battle and show the real strength, uh, man, we would see... Uh, I think a lot more victory than we do. But I, I, I want to look at Psalm 3 this morning. I'm going to read it, uh, then we'll pray, and then uh, I want to set the stage for uh, this psalm, and then we'll dig into it. But Psalm 3 says this, uh, well, it says, and, and my Bible gives a little introduction, it says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom before, or fled from Absalom his son. And, and Psalm 3 verse 1 says this, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I, I'm glad that it is still powerful. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would use me to preach. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Open up our minds and our hearts today. Lord, let us draw closer to you. If there's any lost, I pray that they'd get saved today. And Lord, if there are any uh, questioning, any unsure, that they would get sure today. And Lord, strengthen us. Draw us closer to you. And Lord, in the time of trouble, help us to call on you. And Jesus, Jesus name we pray and amen. amen. So uh, the, the setting for Psalm 3 comes from 2 Samuel uh, chapters 15 and 16. We're not going to read all of that, but I, I, I want to set the stage. So this is after uh, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband Uriah murdered. And then this is after he, uh, when Nathan told him about it and he uh, repented and genuinely asked for forgiveness from God. Uh, but after that happened, David's own son Absalom rebels against him. Uh, it tells the story of how he stole the hearts of the people. And really how he did it is he told them what they wanted to hear. They would come for judgment instead of saying uh, that maybe you're wrong and, and you're right. He would just say everybody's right. And that's what that's what this world tries to do today, right? They uh, Whatever you're doing is okay. Just keep doing it. Uh, so Absalom is now heading to Jerusalem. He's about to take the throne uh, and David's throne, his father's. And David is leaving 
leaving Jerusalem. So he, so you've got a happy group coming in to take over and the sad group with David walking away. David's got his mighty men all around him, except for Uriah that he had killed. He was one of the mighty men too. But uh, so it says Samuel second, uh, or I'm sorry, second Samuel 1530 tells us that David and his group of mighty men and those that were with him had their heads covered and they were walking barefoot up the Mount of Olives, weeping as they went. It was a sad time. Right. It was uh, he was established king. God had made him king. But because of this revolt of his own son, they're walking away uh, from everything God had given them. But then in verse 32, they get to the top of the Mount of Olives and they stop and David starts worshiping God. And then that a blessing to think about that they're they're weeping uh, and, and praying on the way up and they get to the top. And even in the midst of a trial, right, even in the midst of a, a bad situation, David stops and he worships God. And I, I've said it many times before. I believe there is nothing the devil can do with a Christian person in the middle of a trial that praises God anyway. That says, you know what? God was good when times were good and he's still good now. Right. And that's what he's doing. He's worshiping God. But then as he makes it on the other side, the downward slope, chapter 16, uh, this this first village they get to, you find Shimei there. And he is of the house of Saul and he starts cursing David, right? He starts throwing rocks at him and kicking dust and cursing him and everything else. And that's another picture of doesn't the devil love to attack us at our lowest point, right? Uh, when, we're, when we're already beaten up, uh, there he is and he knows what will cut deep. And that's what he's doing. He's telling David, you deserve all this. You're a bloody man. Uh, you deserve what's coming for you. And sometimes that happens, right? The devil may use enemies like Shimei, or he may try to attack us mentally, get into our mind and get us to quit. But then one of his mighty men, Abishai, says, well, let me kill him, right? Let me kill, let me kill him. But David doesn't allow it. He says no. And he explains to everyone that, hey, the Lord allowed me to be uh, attacked by Shimei. He allowed, in the verse 11, he allowed my son to become my own adversary. He says, let him alone. For the Lord's allowed it. The Lord's allowed him to do that. And that's one thing to remember too. A lot of times we, we face opposition from people. And sometimes we look at those people and we just, we want vengeance, right? We want to get rid of them. But they're a soul. And, and the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. But you know what? The one that is your enemy one day, the Lord could touch and they could be a brother and sister in Christ yeah. the next day. So what we need to do is show them what the world won't. Show our enemies love. That's right. Isn't that what the Bible says? To, to give them good things and to show them love because they don't understand that. They don't. But there is a powerful witness of how we treat our enemies but there uh, he says on the run, he says that on uh, uh, verse 12, he gets to that. He's teaching his mighty men on the run. He says, hey, even though my son has stolen the hearts of the people and Shimei is throwing curses and rocks, he says this. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for this cursing this day. Uh, David's reminding them the Lord sees us in our troubles. Right? He sees us where we're at. He sees the enemies and he sees that David is still trusting him even in the midst of all this. And he says, hey, in the end, it will work out for good. Amen. It's hard to say, but that's what David's telling them. So they pass over the Jordan River 
And they get to this place called Mahanaim. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. And this guy named Shobi comes and this is what he brings. He's got beds, basins, vessels, wheat, barley, flour, corn, beans, lentil, pulse, honey, butter, sheep, and cheese. Because he heard that thy people, the people is hungry, weary, and thirsty in the wilderness. And isn't that amazing? Uh, David, everything's going bad. Uh, they're, they're, you know, He's on the run. His son is stealing the throne. has become his enemy. He knows they're going to be coming after him. Uh, they don't know where to hide or anything else they're hungry they're tired you've got uh, uh, you know some men being discouraging you've got different things going on and then out of nowhere Shobi comes with all this stuff to be a blessing you know what that that reminds me of God can have things going on and behind the scenes before we even pray he can have a solution already before we even know we need it and in the middle of our trials and our problems he can send relief and it's in this period is where Psalm 3 is. That's where David's writing it in the middle of this time right here. He, he's on the run, uh, but God has still blessed him uh, and, it's, and is watching over him. And this is what I want to dig into uh, the, the last part here. Uh, verse 1 of Psalm 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. David was a king, so you know he had enemies even during normal times. And now he's saying, hey, there's people that are enemies and made my life harder, but my enemies are multiplying right now. They're growing. There's more enemies than before. Shimei had probably always been mad at David, but now he's bold now. Now he can throw rocks and stone, uh, uh, throw rocks and curses uh, because of what's going on. And then one of his trusted counselors, uh, Athophel, switches sides from him to Absalom and became a traitor. So during all of these things, what, is, what does David do? What's David do in the time of trouble and all the problems and everything else? What's he do? He says, verse 1, the first word, Lord. He cries out to the Lord. And that's what we need to do. Uh, he's praying on his way up the Mount of Olives. And he gets on the other side and finds a place of refuge for a little bit. And he's still crying out to the Lord. Even when his trouble increased, he was praying. Right. Even when things were getting difficult, he prayed. And there we go. He's reached a place of blessing. He's still praying. And that's what we need to do. No matter what happens in our lives, we've got to continue to pray to the Lord. We've got to have him each and every day. And here's what he does. He's saying, how are they increased that trouble me? You can see David just pouring out his heart to the Lord. You know, the Lord wants that. He wants us to be truthful with him. He just wants just fill it out to the Lord. He wants to hear it. He already knows it. He wants us to just give it all to him. That's what he's doing. He's just giving it over to him, pouring it out. We tell the Lord our problems. He already knows them, but it reminds us that he can take care of them. You tell the Lord your problems and you'll remember the Lord's bigger than them. Amen. So he keeps going. Verse two, many uh, there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. So in the time of trouble, here's David. And there's not just a few voices, but are many voices that are familiar with David's situation. They see his son rebelling. They see all these things happening to him. And they say to David, there is no help uh, for God. Or there is no help for him in God. Can't you just hear it now? They're telling him, hey, God's not going to help you now where you're at. Right? You're done. 
He's abandoned you. He's given up on you, right? That's what they're telling him in his ears. And, and, and here's the problem. If he hears it enough, he could start to believe it. Have you heard it in your ears before? Have you heard the devil say he's done with you? You've messed up for the last time. It's over. Have you heard him say that before? Oh, uh, you, you were once good with God. Now he's cast you out. And maybe even you've heard people say that to you. It's a lie. And that's what he's saying. He's hearing these voices in his ears. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you're there right now. The devil's trying to convince you it's too late. God's abandoned you. It's done. Let me tell you one thing. Based on the authority of God's word, God will never turn his back on one of his children. He will never do that. David had already acknowledged his sin. He had already repented. He had already sought forgiveness from the Lord. And here's the thing. Uh, he wasn't being punished. Uh, the Lord wasn't turning his back on David. No, it was the consequences of his previous sins. And we've said many times before, the Lord will forgive your sins, but he won't take away consequences. It will happen. It will. You will reap what you sow. But there's never a day that the Lord's not unwilling to help his children. Amen. Amen. And in the middle of our trial, and this is what happens, the emotions get all over the place, don't they? Right? Uh, it's, it's not just when it feels good, but when it doesn't feel good, we have to remind ourselves what God's word says is true. Psalm 34 says this uh, in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears, his ears are open under their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And save it such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him out of all. Praise God for that. Amen. The trial's fierce. The depression's starting to sink in. The voices are trying to tell him that the Lord's abandoned him. How is David going to respond to all that? Well, we don't have to guess. Verse 3 tells us. Look at David. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. You know what he tells them? It is not true. God's not abandoned me. No, in fact, the Lord first has been a shield for me. He's saying, hey, I would have never became a king in the first place if it wasn't for the protection of the Lord. He had to dwell in the, de the dens and the caves and the mountains and everything else when Saul was on the run to try to kill him. But guess what? God was with him then. And what's he saying right now? God will be with me now. He's anointed me. He's called me. I'm here. And this is, this is a pause right here. This is a trial. But God is my shield. If he truly abandoned me, I would have been captured and killed a long time ago. That's what he's telling them. Hey, I'd have been gone. But the only reason I've got the throne in the first place is not only was he a shield. He said, he is my glory. And I wish we could just pause here for a second. And I wish everybody could hear me. That's a Christian. Listen, if there is anything good that you and I have ever done, anything successful, anything that's worth uh, 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 talking about or being happy about, it is because of Jesus Christ. It is his salvation. It is his, uh, it's his strength, his grace it's the holy spirit guiding us and helping us it is because of god we are where we are today i'm telling you what the true us the real us is every failure 
But every good thing is because of God. It's his strength, his knowledge, his blessings, all of those things. So what we need to stop and say, hey, if you if you like what I'm doing, if it's a blessing of what you're doing, it's me. We need to give all glory to God. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school uh, and Acts. I think it was chapter 19 there in Ephesus. They were saying that uh, they would take a handkerchief that uh, Apostle Paul would wipe the sweat off his brow as he's doing the hot tent making. And someone would take that handkerchief and go touch somebody with a disease and he would be healed. But I like what it said later on in the chapter. It gave the name of the Lord was magnified, not the name of Paul. See, he could have taken credit for all that. That's what the modern ones do today, right? But he said, no, it's the Lord. His name needs to be lifted up. And because of that, there was a great revival in Ephesus. We need to give all glory to God. Not only that, he said, the Lord is the lifter up of mine head. He's seeing David saying, if it were up to me and my strength, I would have faltered. I would have fainted. I would have quit. He is the reason. He's saying, hey, if I'd have believed every voice, I'd have quit. If I'd have, everyone uh, that told me the Lord had abandoned me, if I'd have believed that, I'd have given up. If I had trusted mine own emotions, sometimes I would have given up too. But aren't you glad the Lord is there to help? Isn't he? Psalm 27 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war shall rise against me, and this will I be confident. What thing have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall they hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy I will sing yea I will sing praises unto the Lord hear O Lord when I cry with my voice have mercy also upon me and answer me when thou saidest seek ye my face my heart said unto thee thy face Lord will I seek hide not thy face far from me put not thy servant away in anger thou hast been my help Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. When my, uh, uh, deliver me not into the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David was able to write things like that. Because he trusted in God in the middle of trials. He could write things like that. And we could all learn from him. He took his problems and gave them to God. But not only that, he remembered God's previous faithfulness. Right? We sang that song this morning. He has never forsaken us. Amen. I have forsaken the Lord. He's never forsaken me. Praise God. He's been there. Verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. There David is. He's stopping. He's surveying the situation. He remembers, I've been on the run before. I faced enemies before, giants before. And this, is it. this isn't the first time somebody's told me the Lord's given up on me, and he won't help. But he's saying, hey, uh, last time I cried to the Lord in my trouble, and he helped me. And this time I'm crying to the Lord in my trouble, and he'll help me. Then he says there to all the ones that 
that, that said the Lord stopped hearing it. He's saying, hey, no, he's heard me before and he's hearing me again. And he's reminding them, hey, we would have starved if God didn't send food, right? He sent that and we, we feasted. So here's the thing. And this is what I have to remind myself. We can't mistake the fact that God hasn't answered the prayer I want it to be answered for the fact that he doesn't hear us. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you. I bring to God my problem and I give him a solution as if he needs it, right? Yeah. He doesn't need it. Amen. And a lot of times he'll do something better than what my solution is anyway. Right. Praise yeah. God. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according. So you think about just let him handle it. I have to remind myself over and over again. Let him handle it. Don't tell him how to do it. Because if he needs to stop the sun and the moon to allow the battle to continue, he can do that. He's God. Amen. We just need to ask him for help. And he'll send help. Look at verse 5. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. They were thirsty and he sent drink. They were hungry, and he sent food. They were tired, and he not only sent uh, beds, uh, but David slept in caves before, didn't have a bed, so, uh, sent beds to them, and, and gave a, a safety roundabout, and gave him peace in his mind and his heart. Can you believe the Lord can do that? Amen. David's telling you he can. Yes. He said, in the midst of all this, I was able to go to sleep. That's peace that only God yeah. I know they'll try to they'll try to work around it in this life, but I'm glad God can give us true peace. Amen. But notice he keeps saying Selah after some of these things. He's saying stop and take a moment and think about it. That's what he's saying right here. You pause and you think about it. And, and, and here's again, uh, we may, you may have been in a trial and, and think about some of those ones we've been in. God didn't resolve it the exact way uh, a lot of times we wanted to, but praise God he didn't. Man, he had so much better in store. But not only that, he sustained us through the entire trial and he will again. So we're going to skip a couple verses and go to the last verse, verse 8, and close with this. So after reminding himself that it doesn't matter if the army is chasing him or anything else, the Lord's the one that saved us before and he'll save us again. Look at verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. David, he's saying, hey, our peace and protection from this physical enemy, from this army, that salvation's of the Lord. He did that. It wasn't their tactics. It wasn't the mighty men. It wasn't their location that they stayed in. It wasn't any of those things that they had better weapons or anything else. The Lord put a hedge of protection around him. That's what he's saying. That's why we're safe today. That's why we can go to sleep is because the Lord is delivering us. And he's saying, hey, that deliverance doesn't belong to me. That's what he's saying. Don't glory in it. Don't act like it's us. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. And we can see an obvious spiritual application right here. Right? We don't even have to stretch it or anything. And we are reminded too that our salvation is from the Lord as well. We are not saved today because of what we have done or what we are doing or what we're going to do. We are saved today because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He took our sins. He paid the price. The innocent for the guilty. 
And it's because of him that uh, it was able, we were able, uh, because he died for our sins and rose on the third day, we can trust in that sacrifice for salvation. But we can never lay claim that it's my salvation. It's his. It's his gift from above. And we're thankful for that. And here's the thing. David, many of them back in verse 2, were trying to convince him that the Lord was done with him. The Lord abandoned him. He wasn't going to listen anymore. Uh, uh, that, that he, uh, what's he say? Uh, there may be many that say there is no help for him and God. They were saying that over and over again. But let me tell you something. God has only turned his back on one person in all of history. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. God the Father. There, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross as the punishment for the sins of the world that he's bearing on his body. And Matthew 27, 46 says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus died in our place. And, and, and in the middle of those six hours on the cross, there's God the Father turning his back on God the Son. He could literally say that. Jesus could and wouldn't be lying. That God has turned his back on me. But we could never say that. He sees us. He loves us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He will never turn his back on us. Amen. Because he turned his back on Jesus when he died for our sins. So whether you're in a trial or not, if that voice starts to come into your head, or those emotions try to tell you that you're not saved anymore, or God's done with you, or you've messed up too much, that is a lie today. If you are saved by Jesus Christ, he sees you where you're at. Amen. And like we've said lately, he might be walking on the water through the storm to get to where you're at and you just don't know it yet. But if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you need to. You need to come to him. You need to trust in him. Brooke was already explaining where she had uh, several several third graders, eight years old in her class, heard the gospel message and came to Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful? That at that young, they could come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And he'll keep you. I got saved at nine years old. And he's kept me. He's kept me all this time. Today's the second. October 4th, 1992. Down the road in Ashley. I just remembered. We're two two days away from him saving me 30 years ago. Saved my soul. Oh, did I, did I know everything about the Lord? No, but I heard enough about it and I had grown up in church and I knew that day as we were driving home when mom was talking to me about the Lord, I knew that I was lost and I would go to hell and as soon as we got in that home, in that living room, I asked Jesus into my heart and he saved my soul and he has kept me and he has been with me even when I have failed him and he'll be with you too. If you would just give your life over to him. It's the best thing I ever did. Now it took me a while to get serious with the Lord. And to really serve him with all my heart. But I'll tell you what. He has been with me. He's a good God. And he'll save your soul today. But whether you're saved or not. You can trust in Jesus Christ. You can save him with your. You can trust him with your heart if you're lost. And if you're saved, you can trust him with your heart. 
Either way. But maybe there's voices going on in somebody's head today. Maybe there's emotions that's trying to say you're not saved today. I don't know how many I've heard. In this county, I've noticed there's a whole lot of people that are would lean more towards what I call Pentecostal. Right? They, they believe in, they'll say, I believe in the whole gospel and, and signs and everything else and tongues and all of these things. And we could argue about that. But one thing I've noticed over and over again with those people is when it doesn't feel good, they're quitting. They're thinking it's done. It's over. He doesn't love me anymore. I'm not saved. Any- I don't know how many I've talked to. And I've had to say, you know what? Your emotions can lie to you. Yeah. Mine have many times. And I have to go remind my emotions the truth from God's word. Amen. Right? Hey, has the blood been applied? Yeah. Have you called on Jesus for salvation? Have you repented of your sins? Amen. Did you call on his name? Did you believe on him? Did you tell somebody about it? Do you remember a time when you did that? If the answer is yes, you're saved today by the authority of God's word. That will never go away. But guess what? Even when it doesn't feel good, he's still Lord. Amen? Even when the trial's heavy, even when people are in your ear saying it's over, you've got to remind yourself it's not over. And what do you do? Do what David did. Cry through the tears. Right? Stop. And then praise God. And then remind people. He's been with me before in these trials. He'll be with me again. Don't you quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't put your faith in something else. You trust God. And he will see us through. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to ask Carrie to come and see. David. Knowing his own son is rebelling against him, stealing the throne that was rightfully his, as he's walking away in tears, as a descendant of David is cursing him and kicking dust and throwing rocks, as he's barefoot weeping to the Lord, as he's hearing voices in his ears saying, God's abandoned us, it's over. He gets to the other side, and God's got a blessing waiting before him. Maybe you're not to that other side yet, but I guarantee you, whether it's the other side on this life or whether it's the other side in heaven, either way, God's got a blessing waiting for you. You keep on, you keep on trusting him and you praise God in the midst of the storm. I heard a preacher many years ago say you praise him on credit, right? He's been good and he will be good. We can't see the other side, but he can. And he loves us today. But if you don't know him, you need to today. Will you come?